and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn podcast, the podcast where I, along with a cast of fellow book and movie nerds, talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material. A couple of warnings real fast. Yes, there will be some barnyard language. Yes, we will do all the spoiler things. We want to be able to talk in depth about the endings, so proceed with caution. You can listen to all of our past episodes if you go to kmmamedia.com, click on the Pages and Popcorn podcast link, and see a back catalog of all of our episodes. One last thing, if you want to support the show, of course, there's Patreon and buy us a coffee. Or you can do the best thing of all, rate and review us and tell your friends to listen. The more listens we get, the more likely I am to keep making shows. Okay, that about sums up the intro. Thank you once again for joining us on today's episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. First we read the book. Yeah, yeah. Then it's movie time. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time to talk. Yeah, yeah. And you know we're feeling fine. Cause it's pages and popcorn. It's pages and popcorn. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to this episode of Pages and Popcorn. Chris and I will be talking about the price of salt slash Carol. We're very excited. But before we start, happy pride, Chris. Happy pride, Kalia. How are you? I'm uh, not as good as you, but I'm all right. <laughs> I'm Indeed. All right. Yeah. Yes. I am still recovering from the high of our kickball team winning a game yesterday. Yeah, that was <laughs> amazing. You kind of predicted it. And then I was like, oh, my God, she's right. Yeah, it was fun. Fun, fun, fun. At the last minute, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tense game. It was, it was tight until the last minute. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. But we're here not to talk about queer kickball we're here to talk about queer ladies doing queer lady things in the 50s you know as they do yeah, so, as they did yeah <laughs> so let me give you a little bit of information about our book and movie combo this week and then i'll get into uh the recap and then we will talk about the changes and what we thought about them and some interesting aspects of the history background of the book and go from there so here we go the price of salt which was then later republished as Carol, is a 1952 romance novel by Patricia Highsmith. It was first published under the pseudonym Claire Morgan. And here is the book recap. Therese is a lonely young woman just beginning her adult life in Manhattan and looking for a chance to launch her career as a theater set designer. When she was a young girl, her widowed mother sent her off to an Episcopal boarding school, leaving her with a sense of abandonment. Therese is dating a guy named Richard. He's a young man, but she does not really love him. She does not enjoy having sex with him. They've had sex three times, by the way. On a long and monotonous day at work in the toy section of a department store during the Christmas season, Therese becomes interested in a customer, an elegant and beautiful woman in her early 30s. The woman's name is Carol, and she gives Therese her address so that her purchase can be delivered. On an impulse, Therese sends her a Christmas card. Carol, who is going through a difficult separation and divorce and is herself quite lonely, unexpectedly responds. The two begin to spend time together. Therese develops a strong attachment to Carol. Richard accuses Therese of having a schoolgirl crush, and Therese knows it is more than that. She is in love. Carol's husband, 
Arge is suspicious of Carol's relationship with Therese, whom he meets briefly when Therese stays over at Carol's house in New Jersey. Carol had previously admitted to Harge that she had a short-lived sexual relationship months earlier with her best friend, Abby. Harge takes his and Carol's daughter, Rindy, to live with him, limiting Carol's access to her as divorce proceedings continue. To escape from the tension in New York, Carol and Therese decide to take a road trip west. They get as far as Utah, over the course of which it becomes clear that the feelings they have for each other are romantic and sexual. They become physically as well as emotionally intimate and declare their love for one another. The women become aware that a private investigator is following them. This person has been hired by Harge to gather evidence that could be used against Carol in incriminating her as a homosexual in the upcoming custody hearings. Remember, this is in the 50s. They realize that the investigator has already bugged their hotel room in which Carol and Therese first had sex. On a road in Nebraska, after the detective has followed them for miles and clearly intends to continue doing so, Carol confronts him, demands that he hands over any evidence against her. She pays him a high price for some tapes, even though he tells her that he's already sent several tapes on ahead as evidence to hard in New York. Carol knows that she will lose custody of Rindy if she continues her relationship with Therese. She decides to return to New York and fight for her rights regarding her daughter and will return to Therese as soon as she can. Therese stays alone in the Midwest. Eventually, Carol writes to tell her that she has agreed not to continue their relationship so that she has a chance of a relationship with her daughter. The evidence for Carol's homosexuality is so strong that after she has capitulated hard, rather than having the details of her behavior aired in court, and again, she had submitted to an agreement, she has given him full custody, she has limited supervised visits, but she can no longer be with Therese. Heartbroken, Therese returns to New York to rebuild her life. Then... Randomly, Therese and Carol arrange to meet again several months later. Therese is still hurt that Carol abandoned her in a hopeless attempt to maintain a relationship with Rindy because Therese is dumb. And at first she declines Carol's invitation to live with her. Carol's like, we could live together. Therese is like, no. So they leave. They depart. They they part from each other. And they're each headed off to an evening engagement. Therese goes to a party, has a brief flirtation with an English actress and realizes, oh, no, I'm actually still in love with Carol. So she goes and finds Carol, who's having dinner with some people, and Carol looks up and is excited to see her, and the novel ends. The the end. Okay. So that that was the book. And then and then they made a movie. Called Carol. Called Carol. Yes. Which is a 2015 romantic period drama film directed by Todd Haynes. And the film stars Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Sarah Paulson, Jake Lacey, and Kyle Chandler. Here is the recap. During the Christmas season of 1952, aspiring photographer Therese is working at the department store in Manhattan. She meets a glamorous woman, Carol, who is searching for a doll for her daughter, Rindy. At Therese's recommendation, Carol purchases a model train set instead. When Carol departs, she leaves her gloves on the counter. Therese mails them to her using the sales slip and Carol's name and address. Therese's boyfriend, Richard, wants her to go to France with him, hoping that they will get married. But she is ambivalent about his relationship. Also, they have not had sex. A common friend, Danny, invites Therese to his workplace, the New York Times, and offers to introduce her to a photo editor friend. Because remember, in this version, she's a photographer. Wannabe. Meanwhile, Carol is going through that difficult divorce from her husband, Harge, and Carol calls the department store to thank the clerk, Therese, who returned her gloves. She then invites Therese to lunch. Therese visits with Danny. He kisses her, but she becomes uncomfortable and she leaves. Carol invites Therese to her home in New Jersey. She stops to purchase a Christmas tree, and Therese takes candid photos of her. Harge arrives unexpectedly to take Rindy to Florida for Christmas. He becomes suspicious of Therese as Carol had an affair years before with her friend Abby. Therese witnesses their argument. 
After Rindy and Harge leaves, a distressed Carol takes Therese to the train station so that she can return home. Carol calls to apologize to Therese, and then they meet at her apartment, where Carol surprises her with a suitcase containing a gift of a fancy camera and film. Carol has learned that Harge is petitioning the judge to consider a morality clause against her, threatening to expose her homosexuality and give him full custody of Rindy. So naturally, she decides to take a road trip to escape the stress of the divorce proceedings and invites Therese along to join her. Seems like a colossal error in judgment to me, but okay. Richard (laughs) accuses Therese of being infatuated with Carol and predicts that Carol will soon get tired of her. The two argue and their relationship comes to an end. On the second night of the road trip, Therese meets a traveling salesman. His name is Tommy. On New Year's Eve, Carol and Therese kiss for the first time and then have sex. The next morning, they discover that Tommy, that traveling salesman, is actually a private investigator that Harge has hired in order to obtain evidence against Carol. Carol confronts Tommy, threatening him at gunpoint, but he claims to have already sent the tape recordings to Harge. Carol and Therese turn back. The next day in Chicago, Therese learns that Carol has flown home to fight for custody of her daughter, having asked Abby to drive Therese the rest of the way home. Abby gives her a letter from Carol, and then back at home, Therese telephones Carol, but knowing that she risks losing custody of Rindy if she continues her relationship with Therese, Carol hangs up. Therese creates a portfolio of her photographs and gets a job at the New York Times. In the meantime, Carol has been seeing a psychotherapist as a condition of the divorce settlement. During a confrontational meeting in mid-April with divorce lawyers, Carol suddenly admits to being the truth of what it is that the tapes contain. She refuses to deny her sexuality. To avoid going to court and the likelihood of a public scandal, she tells Harge that he can have custody of Rindy if he allows her regular visits. Carol then writes to Therese, Carol reveals that she is going to work for a furniture house and has taken an apartment in Madison Avenue. Therese declines Carol's initial invitation to come and live with her. Carol tells Therese that she's meeting associates in the Oak Room, and if she changes her mind, they can have dinner. Therese remains still, and then Carol says, I love you, but they are interrupted by Jack, a random guy who has not seen Therese in a while, blah, blah, blah. So then Carol leaves. Therese accepts Jack's ride to the party. She finds she cannot connect with anyone. She's all mopey and sad. And then she leaves to go to the Oak Room. She scans the diners. She sees Carol at a table. Therese hesitates, then walks towards Carol. Their eyes meet. Carol gazes at Therese with a smile that slowly grows. The end. <laughs> I love that ending. I, You know what? I take it you're a little on the fence about it. I'm a little on the fence. I like the idea of the ending. And I we would be remiss right, to right, not right. point out that this was written in the 50s. It's one of the first times that the lesbians get a happy ending. Nobody had to die. Nobody. Yeah, because the book has a happy, the same happy ending. Yes, so. exactly, and that's great. But, but <laughs> just I. I wasn't sure how long it took uh, to get to the butt, so I thought uh, it'd help you out. There. It doesn't take me long to get to well. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I. I understand why both this book and film are loved, and I understand on an intellectual level, but on an emotional level, I think it just they just didn't quite work as well for me. And I feel like it's literally just a matter of the fact that I am an out queer person in the 2020s, and I didn't have the experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get intellectually why this matters, and I totally support it. But it just doesn't resonate on an emotional level with me as much as it as it would have. Well, um, are you saying that about the book and the movie? Um, a little bit, yes, actually. Like, okay, in so different, let's dive into in that because I'm curious about that. Okay, so the book. Let's start with the book. The writing style of the book is very 1950s, right? And I thought the writing was really 
well done. But the characters bugged me. Therese is so ambivalent and just pacifist. And and I don't really understand what Carol sees in her, except for maybe a control thing, or I, I'm not sure. I, I have to say I agree with that. I I I I, I, I like the character, but mm-hmm. I in the book and the movie, I didn't know what Carol saw in her. Yeah, I she's young and the blank slate, which is appealing to some people. I get that, but I I mean, and in the book, I, don't you think she's a lot more exuberant in the book than she is in the movie? In the movie, yeah, she's very restrained. talks. Yeah, she yeah, hardly yeah. responds. And, and I think part of that is in the book, we, we're getting it all from Teresa's point of view so that we see she has an active interior monologue. But in the movie, we don't get her active interior monologue. Right. We get her staring out of smudgy windows a right, lot. Right, right. A lot of smudgy windows. And then also in the movie, we get a lot of from Carol's point of view where Teresa isn't even on screen. So like, it's a little bit, it's a different, it tells a slightly different story. Yeah, I found, I found Therese just very blah. And, and there were elements of the book that I think are a product of the time. I think I'm not sure, but there's a lot, there's a, there's a weird maternal thing between Therese and Carol. Mm-hmm. Carol, Look, okay, Carol, at one point, Carol offers Therese a drink when she's not feeling well at, at, at Carol's house. And Therese asks for warm milk, which is a very child, you know, needing help to sleep. Oh, thing. I thought Carol volunteered the warm milk, but maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I think Therese straight up asks for Are it. Are we movie or book right now? The book. And then Carol, okay, the book. Went, yeah, she goes and gets it and then watches her drink it. And like, she like puts her to bed, but like, it took a while for it to get sexual from carol's point of view like we kind of right. get the vibe that Therese is a little bit more into carol in that way earlier on and we're not really sure how carol feels about her it is a very strange strained kind of relationship and it takes a long time to get to that and so that's interesting and again um kaylee will always point out how much older i am than she is and it's taken her uh, where i can't what are we 10 minutes in yeah something, something. and she's, she's getting faster <laughs> with her little little digs there so because i i get what you're saying about the 50s thing and this is interesting about the mother thing i totally got it because women in those days that's what they were a woman having a job was a strange thing i mean yeah. not ju- not just strange thing but ridiculed thing a woman having a career even more ridiculed there it's in the book where carol talks about how much grief she got when she started a furniture store with abby yeah um i don't remember that being in the movie but if it was it was passing no no, no. Um, all they did was at the when when carol's gonna have a job now in the movie because of the divorce she's right. gonna work at a furniture store as a buyer which is a lot different than running a furniture store with your lesbian friend yeah, <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah. well i mean the roles in those days were very father mother mm-hmm. across the board for men and women so I, I i i was a little taken aback by how motherly she was in the book maybe i didn't notice yeah. it as much in the movie because i think they downplayed it in the movie i think it was much yeah. more in the book much more yeah. also in the book you have this thing like we talk a lot we get a lot more about Teresa's history in the book her mother abandoned her in this orphanage kind of place her father's dead but her mother abandoned her when she was old enough to know that she was being abandoned by her mother right, right. so it was so she had a really so she's always kind of searching for a mother type figure it feels like a mother love right you know and that's a right. thing and then 
they have because one of the very first things that we learn about Therese is that she had a mother type figure in one of the nuns who'd given her the set of gloves and yada yada yada. Right, right. So like we that's one of the first things we know about Therese. And then one of her early interactions before she even meets Carol is she has kind of an awkward interaction with an older woman who's almost like a mothery type figure with like a sad version of a mother figure um another lady who works at the store with her and so it is it is like there in the book that Therese needs this this mother thing and then carol comes in she's older she's established she's very classy other things but she treats Therese like a child and then we have the aspect of there's this painting that was in the orphanage where Therese was of this beautiful blonde lady that Therese looked at when she was a little girl. And this beautiful blonde lady in this portrait was like the epitome of glamour and sophistication and like what Therese wanted to grow up to be. And also, you know, all of that stuff. And that woman looks like Carol or Carol looks like that woman. And she realizes that later when she's in the Midwest by herself, she finds that portrait in a library and she's like, oh my God. So was she drawn to Carol because of this, picture that she saw as a child and then the feelings grew it's which is fine and i understand why that's the elements in the book but it 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 because it is with these tropes of queer people are queer because they had trauma because there's something missing in their life you know men are gay because they had a bad re- they, they were mama's boys and women are gay if they you know what i mean like because yeah i, it, I mean i, I think it's reading... in that i'm not saying that that was like intentional or that's bad i'm just saying that it was written at a time where those were like a lot of the thought yeah. process oh, sure sure in sure the culture so it bleeds in so from a 2023 standpoint me reading it i'm like grr but also yeah i get it do you know what i mean so it's yeah that's what i'm I mean, saying I will say, you know, again, this is where we differ here because I totally get it. Um, when I first, when I met my first, I'll say husband, even though we weren't legally married, I was 20, he was 35. I got from so many people, oh, he, you, you're with him because he's a father figure to you and you had a terrible relationship with your father. I think that's perfectly valid, mm-hmm. but I don't think you take that to, Oh, you're gay because you had a bad relationship with your father. Um, I remember so. hearing that though in the '90s. That was the thing. Like you were oh, gay. No, you I, were... I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. people didn't say. Okay, yeah, okay, I okay. Absolutely said it. I don't buy into that whatsoever. And oh, I, okay. I, yes. Yeah, yes. We're on the same page. You're gay. You're gay. You're straight. You're straight. You're bi. You're bi. Whatever. That's just the way you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. I see what you're saying about that. Yeah, the socialization. And well, and you know, they they say even for for straight people, I think gay, straight, whatever, they say that you look for a relationship to either um, replicate if you had a good relationship with your parents you look for a romantic relationship that replicates that because that's your model right and if you had a bad relationship with your parents you look for a relationship that will mirror but fix those lacking things and some people get stuck in the mirror part and not the fixing part. So if you had an abusive parent and then you have an abusive partner, sometimes it's because that's things that's all you think you deserve. Blah yeah, blah so, blah. You know, and this is applied to straight people as well. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Girls who you had a uh, were fixated on their daddy want a, a husband that they can be fixated on the same way. So right. it happens to everybody. For um, sure. And, and that's true and untrue in a lot of cases. But exactly. you're right, it's, it's degrees. Yeah, it is. And it just because it was the fifties and this lesbian novel, I was like. I, you know, I saw it there and I was like, okay, I get, I get it. But it, I'm glad that they downplayed that in the 2015 movie because we don't think about that in the same way. We're not like, oh, you're gay because you're gay because we're a little bit right. more, you're just gay. So th- she wasn't as maternal in the movie, which was 
was nice. So I, I read, that was a I good change. I read the maternal stuff a little different. Um, okay. and, and it annoyed me, uh, just like it annoyed you, but in a different way. It annoyed huh. me because Carol in the book keeps pushing her away. Yes. She's obviously fixated on her, but she's pushing. Why don't you go give Richard? It's Richard. Is that the yeah. boyfriend? Uh-huh. Go give Richard another chance. Go talk to Danny. Go, go talk yeah. to the, 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 and she's constantly saying, go do that as a mother would do, but it's sacrificing her own attempts at a relationship it, with Therese. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like she was like trying to like keep that. I'm not interested in you clearly because I'm telling you to go do these other things, you know, uh, like a, maybe a defense mechanism or something. I don't know, man. I I did not think that Carol treated Therese very well in the book. Well, I th- okay. And again, that's the part I kind of get because yeah. in those days, and she says it in the book well, a few times, she says, it's not an easy life doing right. this. You know, she talks about her relationship with Abby and what she went through there and the relationship she has with her husband's parents who are very conservative. She, she, I, so as I read on in the book, I thought, okay, she's, it makes sense that she's trying to protect her from mm-hmm. this life because in, back then there weren't choices. I mean, right. two women living together happened and so did two men, but two women did live together and it was more accepted by society as two men was not, right. um, but it was still dangerous because they would assume that you're roommates and you're supposed to go out and date mm-hmm. men and all so it's not like those other right. options were even in the culture back then. You didn't have it. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, at the end of the book and the movie, and I agree, it's a, it, I mean, it's a feel good ending, which doesn't seem like is appropriate for the characters and the times. Or the tone, the whole tone of the book and, and the movie is very, I, I keep saying smudged windows, but that's what it feels like. It feels like a smudged window tone well you and know? i kept thinking as i'm getting to the end of the book there's no because i saw the movie first i said there's no way they're going to end this like they did in the movie i thought surely even when i was took the last three four pages because it doesn't happen till the right. very, very very end mm-hmm. i thought okay this it makes more sense she's going to go her own Teresa's going to go her own way and carol's going to go her way and that makes more it's not the happy ending that right feel good, but it makes more sense and then right at the very last two pages uh so- they get together that is one of my actual main issues with the book is that I felt like the writing is really beautiful and well done, but the characterizations weren't all there because I felt like characters kept and characters, I mean, Therese, because she's the only character we get our point of view, but she kept being like, and now I know I've had this epiphany. The sky is blue. <laughs> and then two pages later, she's like, I drank my tea and I thought about the sky through the window, the sky <laughs> is yellow and now i know i've had through the smudge window through the the smudge smudge window (laughs) the sky is now tealish burgundy or whatever that is what i know now and i'm like you keep having epiphanies that totally undermine your last epiphany that was only two pages ago and i just don't feel like they were earned she like three pages before the end she was like no i'm this person now and i'm doing these things and then she has like one encounter not even an encounter and then suddenly it changes but that's not the first time that she had like had a very sudden it felt sudden to me personality change do you feel like carol had those issues those issues as well who the fuck knows because we're never in carol's head well that's well that's true a little bit through through her dialogue but um not much but yeah you're not gonna like what i'm about to say but okay you know (laughs) looking at it from a man's point of view to a woman's character in the 50s, I'm like, well, she's changed her mind all the time. What's new about that? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I swear to God that those were my thoughts a lot of the time. 
not just because she's a woman, although that's a part of it, but because she's a young woman who has no experience and she doesn't. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely, I think, more the age and the maturity thing than the gender. But I definitely and I think that that could have come across better in the writing. As as I was reading, I was like, oh, my God, Therese, just like fucking pick something or commit. I I don't know. You know what? I her, she, she was a little wishy washy to me. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about mm-hmm. let's talk about the way it was written. So I, I thought it was beautifully written, but I agree with the tropes, so to speak, that were in there. Do you think and we I don't know that we have, I haven't researched this. I don't know if you have that Patricia Highsmith, who wrote this book, um, even though this was a dangerous book for her to write at that time, which is why it was published under a pseudonym. Right. And, and she um, she was more known for thrift. She wrote the just so people know she wrote the talented Mr. Ripley. And, and strangers, strangers on, on a train. train, yeah. So she was writing thrillers, you know. And the talented Mr. Ripley has gay characters. Um, yep. I don't remember Strangers on a Train having a gay character, but I could be wrong. But do you feel like she wrote her writing was influenced by the time, so that maybe she wrote things to make certain parts of the book more acceptable? And I don't know that that's true or not. But what do you think? Yeah, I do definitely. I mean, because. Tara, is it Tara Nora? I'm not. There's a there's a phrase that means that when you're writing something, you're gonna just be affected by the culture that you're living in, no matter what. Right. And so the folkways, the mores, the the societal expert, those are gonna bleed in, even if that's not what your book or your whatever is about. Which is why we can watch something and we can be like, oh my god, that's so 70s. Even if the storyline isn't 70s, like it has a vibe, right? We can tell if something was made or written in the 70s sometimes. So I definitely think that the society of the fifties influenced it. But I also, this is, I mean, you might know this already. The novel was inspired by a blonde woman in a mink coat who ordered a doll while Patricia Highsmith was working at as the sales clerk. And then she went home and like wrote. So this is like, it's not fan fiction, but what it's like, (laughs) it's like, well, but it's it's like a diary thing where you're like, Oh God, I wish this could happen to me. And I'm going to write, it's, you know... Um, which was a tool that... Uh, wish for, wishful thinking. Wish, wishful thinking. I was going to say wish fulfillment. But yeah, same basic concept, right? Yeah. So, like, I get it. And that's why it's all in Therese. And it's going back and forth. And, like, you know, because Patricia was basing it in some ways on herself. And and then gave, gave it the happy ending, which isn't expected, but is appreciated. You know, so, even when I was very young, I, I've been writing my whole life. Even when I was young in my teenage years, especially, I would write stories that were I never shared with anyone. Mm-hmm. But they were, you know, I w- I'm not going to say graphically gay. In, they're not sexually graphically gay, but they were like this graphically gay. Yeah. They were where, you know, it. I wrote this story when I was uh, like 16 about an alternate universe where gay was okay and my boyfriend was coming to pick me up from the prom and all that. So when you're gay and Aww. you're, I know, when you're gay and you're closeted, <laughs> I think you like to write those things because yeah. you're, like any author, you create science yeah. fiction stuff. You're creating a world that you would prefer to exist. Well, okay. So this is funny and I don't know if I'll keep this in, but tiny tangent here. My daughter is dealing with some bully type situations at her school. And I told her that when I was younger and this happened to me, sometimes I would write out the the interaction, but give it a different ending, you know, try to like what I wish I could have done right. or how I wish it would happen. And one story I remember writing when I was like in fifth or sixth grade, I think it was sixth grade. It was like all about 
George sat on his porch and looked out at the decrepit, sad, pathetic <laughs> landscape that was his life. He was an old man, alone and sad. His body was falling apart and nobody loved him. Wow. I'm so sad, thought George. I wish in sixth grade I'd been nicer to my name because then I wouldn't have left led such a sad, desperate, boring life later that night. George died and nobody cared. The end. <laughs> the end. And I was like, yeah, that made me feel better. And she was like, my, I told this to my daughter. I'm like, so you can write out your thoughts and feelings. And she's like, damn, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe she should hide some of those feelings. I mean, I used to, I, I, I've drawn kind of my whole life too. And in school, when I was being bullied once, I drew a picture of me kicking my the bully in the balls, you know, with kicking, <laughs> or as we called them in those days, his nards. That kick and and my teacher got hold of it and I got in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that was part of how I got it. I'm gonna pick, draw me a picture of me going after the bully. You know, yeah, because yep, you can't yep, do it in yep. real life. I think so that I was therapeutic. I, yeah, no, for sure. And it's it's a lot safer than actually kicking the oh, bully. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like yeah. So I get I get that Patricia was writing this as f wish fulfillment, you know, and it is, but it, it's interesting because your wish fulfillment is limited by your set of expectations, but also by your reality, right? right. So you can't imagine what you can't imagine, right? right? So even when she's like wish fulfillment, like the 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 fancy lady in the mink coat likes me too. And then like we have a relationship, the way it's blocked out and the way it happens still doesn't read. It's a little unbelievable, but also it it's 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 uh it's awkward because it's hard to even imagine it happening. You know what I mean? And so I like I like that. And I like the fact that it was, okay, you know, there's going to be this custody battle. I was with Carol saying, I got to pick my kid over this girl I've known for a couple of months. I was a little bitter that Therese was like, how dare she pick her child over me? Like that right, right. was not a fan of that. And that also like felt like this maternal aspect, because I feel like any rational adult person would understand that a parent's is going to pick their child over over a romantic but I, then, maybe that's because you're not a parent maybe you don't think that way i don't know oh, no I, I i'm not a parent and i would think that way too okay um, okay but the carol point of view morphs in the book and the movie at the mm -hmm. end where she in the book i was and she kind of said this in the movie too where she goes if i don't see my kid again i'm okay with it you know because she because what happened was at the end, they required her to make all these restrictions oh, on her lifestyle and in order to see her daughter. And she finally said, I'm not going to do it. In the in the movie, it was a lot more clear. They were sending right. her to like psychotherapy. They were forcing her to do these other things. We didn't really get much of that in the book. We could kind of read between the lines and understand that that was happening. But yeah, and, and, and she but I think it was more like. At the, at the point where she gave up on her daughter, I feel like it was more because I am a social degenerate by society standards, not by reality standards. Right, but society right. sees me as a deviant. And if I'm around my daughter, it will make her life harder. And this is how I can like love her is by not bringing her into this negative blah 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 you know hopefully thing which is really fucking sad mm. and like to give up the idea to give up your your guardianship of your child because you know that it's better for your child socially to not be associated with you because society says that you're a bad person because you're gay like that is sad and i really wish we'd gotten 
a little bit more of Carol's like dealing with that aspect. And that it. in those times and well after those times, the gay population believed it. They believed all that mm -hmm. shit. They believed they were at times sick or degenerate or worthy of this disdain. Like, yeah. I got a couple of questions for you and I was going to ask the other one first, but since we're on this topic. So as a parent, as a mm -hmm. queer parent, mm -hmm. what if, let's say you didn't have the wonderful husband that you have. Let's say he was manipulative like Harge, the husband in the book and the movie is, and your daughter was the daughter in question. And mm -hmm. at a point you didn't want to be with your husband anymore. You wanted to go live your queer life, but your husband said, you either stop all this nonsense as they called it and <laughs> continue to have a mutual uh, custody relationship with your child or you go off and you give up, what would you do? It's so hard to even think of that because there's so many beginning points of, of deviation. Like if I wouldn't personally, I can't imagine mar being married to an asshat like that. Do you know what I mean? No, so like it, yeah, just the beginning premise, but like, I, I get, I get the hypothetical situation, but right. I can't even, I can't even put myself there because so many different, so many things would have to be different, not just the right, end right, right. point of difference. But I, I will say like, especially now my kid is in middle school as you know <laughs> and I'm so there's she only hasn't so stuck her head in to say that <laughs> i to tell us all yes in seven years you know in eight years she'll be an adult like you know then there can be a relationship hopefully with right, her even right. if i wasn't able to have one with her now i don't know you know so i i don't know i would but man like you love your and this little kid was four like she was little in the in the book and in the movie she was a little little girl and she was. totally and it was the 50s. It was so different. Yeah. I, yeah. And I can yeah. say that, you know, I don't get the the parental part of it, but I completely get the, you know, I didn't come out till I was 20, which was in 1981. Yeah. So even those last years where I was, you know, 18, 19, whatever, I still thought, you know, mm -hmm. you know, seeing all the gay characters in movies and books being murdered off that I was you know, not worthy of a relationship of this or that. You buy into that if the times yeah. allow it. Well, and I will say there is a big phenomenon, especially right now, of the later late in life lesbians, right? Like the number of women who are coming out as bisexual and or straight up lesbians, <laughs> straight up lesbians, in their <laughs> 40s and their 50s is like astronomical right. in the last several years. And I think part of it is because, and I, I actually know a couple from kickball who waited until their kids were in high school or right after high school. And now I get to live my life. I couldn't leave my husband before. I didn't want to fuck up my kids, but now they're established. They're like their own person. They love me who far, and now they'll understand and now I can step away from this relationship that isn't serving me and I can be my authentic queer self. So that is a very common thing happening right now. And, and I, I even I ran into uh, some men uh, when we ran mm -hmm. the community center who came in whose kids had gone off to college. And now they mm -hmm. were like, it's just her and me. And I don't want to be with a woman anymore. And I feel like I can do it. But still, they struggled with you know, yeah. how am I going to tell the kid? Well, how, what how am I going to tell people at my work? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's all right, right, aspects right. of it.
And think about all the people that we know who have not only come out as queer in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but who came out as trans in their oh, 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s. And it's, you know, because it is a little bit better in the, in some respects in the world now, in, in a lot of respects, but not we're not perfect yet. You know, and also I think you get to a certain point where you're just tired of, of faking it. It's like I only have so many years of my life left. Well, and add to that the fact how, of how misogynistic this country is and that women have been told for hundreds of years to shut the hell up, you know, mm-hmm. not not anything to do with being uh, queer, but just you're a woman, you're not allowed to talk, you're not allowed to wear pants, you're not allowed to have a job, you're not allowed to do this, you know, for years and years and years. Add that on top of this abomination that's being queer. I mean, right. how difficult is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I know that people my generation and younger have a hard time even wrapping our heads around that because Thankfully, it wasn't our lived experience, and it, but it's just it's it's good to be reminded that well, so that I, the I, struggle I, and the sacrifice that you know existed from all of those other times and the and the strides that our community has gotten in the last fifty years. Well, and, and not to the, take this for granted. The that's, question that's then the is, can you understand and appreciate those strides if you don't understand what came before? Right. So, do you think books like this? hold up i mean yes okay yes i think intellectually you can understand but it it serves better if you can understand on an emotional level and i think if you can't actually live the experience because you know time travel doesn't exist if you read books that are written well and you empathize with those characters that's how you can get close to feeling that same emotional thing so i think books and movies that put you outside of your own experience into a place where you're like damn I love these characters or I feel for these characters or wow, this sadness is so universal. I'm so lucky. I don't have to, you know what I mean? All of those things. I definitely think books and movies like this are super, super, super important to to building that empathy for other people and not just in the queer place. You know, I'm thinking like racial injustice too. You know, if you sit through something like Selma or the March or, you know, 12 years a slave and it leaves you fundamentally changed as a person because you're an empathetic person and you're like, that's fucked up. I'm glad that that's not me, but also now I can, you know, have more space in my heart for blah, blah, blah. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's interesting. I can read older gay novels, watch older gay movies and that show all kinds of horrible abuse and, and, and I'm, I'm okay with it. Not okay with it, but it doesn't tear (laughs) me apart. I have a really hard time watching the color purple or any, almost any other movie that shows what black people went through in this country and i've often wondered why that is james's favorite movie is the color purple and i'm like okay sometimes i'll watch it sometimes i won't i'm like i can't go there today i guess that's because i didn't live that and i didn't feel like i could help those people back in the day Mm -hmm. gay people even if they were being mistreated as well i was one of them so i was like well i'm just like you so I, i i get that and, well, I think too, like, you know, if, for example, take this book, you know, I'm reading about these women in the fifties and the, the closeted and the fear and the, the, in, you know, the losing of your custody and like all of that stuff. And I can say, I'm so glad that as a queer woman now, I don't have to deal with that and I can feel sympathy for them. But I also know it got better and people it, today, it's not as bad as it was in the 50s for that specific community but you watch something like the color purple and then you turn on the news and you're like black lives matter and they're like no blah 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 and so like it's better but because i'm not in that community it's harder to see how much better 
Like, you know what I mean? Does that make well, sense? And in the and same like, vein, it's not better for all queer people. And there are places well, exactly. in this country, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, where it's, yes. it's getting worse by the day. So, yeah. I mean, we're lucky yeah. to be in California. I'd say that. So I have another question for you. What did you, th- okay. what did you think about the stereotypical, beautiful, rich, blonde woman <laughs> that Carol was in both the book and the movie? Okay. I read. Not to say there aren't beautiful, wealthy, uh, blonde women. Blonde but women. Are, yeah. But and, how did you feel about that? I mean, it was a stereotype, right? Of course. And we had, you know, Therese is like this mousy little brunette, right? And mm-hmm. then Carol is the very sophisticated. And I, I, I know that, let's just be honest. There's a reason why Marilyn Monroe and Madonna are Marilyn Monroe and Madonna, right? right? Like. True. That 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 thing in our culture is very we're drawn to that. And we've been told by generations now that that is the epitome of beauty and sophistication, the blonde, the the perfectly coiffed blonde hair right, and right. and, you know, all of that stuff. So, I mean, it made perfect sense that that's how both of them were described, especially since, as we know, is based on a realistic, a real encounter that right. Patricia Highsmith had with a blonde in a mink coat. So, sure. Yeah, and then fine. Kate Blanchett I, in the movie. I mean, you can't get much more beautiful than that. And she just, yeah. I just love the way she played the character. Because I mean, I love Kate, Kate Blanchett. I could watch watch her all day. But I was thinking in the background all the time, could this be any more stereotypical of what the ultimate right. woman, so to speak, in that day and time would be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it couldn't. But I think that was intentional. An interesting thing, they, they took out the character. I can't remember her name because they took her out in the movie. But in the book, there's an older lady who works at the store with Therese. And Therese has like a, one evening she spends with her. There's, she kind of feels awkward. The woman like invites her over and they kind of sort of eat dinner. It's it's like a very awkward. When I have this here, actually, when, when Patricia Highsmith compares her hands, Mrs. Robichek's plump, dry, aging hands with their remnant red polish and cheap rings, one with a clear green stone. Okay, that's one of the ways that she's described. Then Carol. Carol's hands are described as strong, beautiful hands with red lacquered nails and clear green sapphire ring. They're like the same hands, but one is old and bleh, and one is elegant and beautiful and they're not that different do you know what i mean and i just because patricia highsmith is obviously a good author and it it is not a a, this is not a coincidence or a mistake in writing you know this has got to be intentional that they're described like the mere images of each other and so i thought that they took obviously miss robichek out of the movie completely but i think that what they did then was they leaned more into the two sides of the same coin with carol and Therese and Carol is tall and blonde and Therese is tiny and brunette and Carol is sophisticated and empowered and Therese is like a child she's like in the doll compartment but yeah they did make some interesting changes I thought by having Carol buy the the train set instead of a doll was interesting because Therese tells her oh I love trains Uh and so then Carol buys the train I was like well that's a little it's more masculine so then I was like oh is that the was that the signal? <laughs> I mean, are you a girl who's into dolls or trains? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. That's so the that new top way or of telling thing. <laughs> right? Like, how do you look at your nails? Are right, you exactly. I yeah. mean, trains were extremely popular in those days. I mean, we all had them. And not at all Freudian. Yeah, exactly. Going in well, the tunnel. <laughs> was for me, but anyway. 
Um, <laughs> I got in trouble in school once with some boys, by the way, who I didn't know this, you know, how do you look at your nails thing? And I'm walking uh -huh. off of recess with these boys that, I, that aren't really even my friends. Now, Chris, how do you look at your nails? And of course, the first thing I did was hold them out like a woman. I was, and then I was going to do the other way because I'm like, I don't know how I look at my nails. And as soon as I held them out like a woman, oh, he looks at him like he's a woman. He's a fag, all that stuff. So, Oh, my goodness. I remember the first time that happened to me. Somebody asked me how I look at my nails. And I not only curl my fingers in and look at them you know, from the inside of my palm, uh -huh. but also I bring them real close to my face because I'm freaking blind, <laughs> right, man. Right. Someone's like, oh, so you're totally a, a lesbian because of the way you're you look a blind at your nails. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm blind, but sure. Okay, that works. Whatever. Those, it's interesting. Those little games that kids play with each other stick with you oh, forever. Yeah. Ever. ever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's talk about some of the other changes and then we can get more specific into the movie. We've talked about how the, the point of view in the book is just Therese and in the movie it's Therese and Carol. There's a significant portion of the movie that is just from Carol's point of view. Mm -hmm. And this I found really interesting. Technically the screen time, Carol has six minutes less screen time than Therese. Only six minutes though. Okay. How did you and calculate that? I read it on the internet. Oh, okay. And th the reason is because the gold like uh, these award ceremonies, they were trying to say that Kate Blanchett was the main character. Um, and so she was nominated for actress and Ro uh, Rooney Mara. Ma Rooney Mara. I want to say Maya Rooney. I don't know why, but Rooney Mara was nominated for supporting actress, even though technically she had more time. Mm, interesting. Which is interesting, but also like the name of it is Carol and it is about Carol, but it's there would be no interesting Carol story without Teresa. Right. I thought that was interesting. The book was definitely Teresa's story, Teresa's coming of age. Carol was a an inciting incident slash pot point. Like it pushed the story along, but it was Therese, Therese, Therese. And the movie was definitely almost 50-50. Six minutes difference is not a big difference. No, it's not. You know what I mean? And that, so that I, also goes back to the title of the book, which The Price mm -hmm. of Salt, which I did a little research because after I read it, I'm like, what does this mean? I read the book. I still don't know what this means, but I, I discovered it online. Did you look into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and share. So what basically what I found was spice rep or salt represents spice to a degree and the queer relationship is the spice of life to these women and the price you pay is the price you pay for diving into a subversive so to speak relationship or whatever the spice of your life is going to be mm -hmm. yeah and the idea that like something i think at one point the only time i think that they referenced salt in the book was she saying like the food that she was eating was tasteless it had lost its salt and it was after she and carol had broken up and i was like well there you go because carol's the salt the carol is the thing in her life that gives her life flavor and meaning and passion and all of those things yeah right right but yeah anyways i liked that another change i liked in the movie it was very clear that abby was carol's friend and what they go out of their way abby's interested in a redhead like these are former lovers, but they're friends now. They're friends. And there's not a sexual dynamic between the two of them. Whereas in the book, I definitely got the vibe that Abby was still hung up on Carol exactly. and was not okay with Therese. There's even this whole awkward lunch that happened. Abby takes Therese out and they have this uncomfortable conversation. And it's not just like, don't hurt my friend because, you know, I love my friend. It's like, 
are you good enough for my friend? Because I actually really still love my friend. Do you know what I mean? So I liked that change. Yeah. Do they ever mention in the movie the sexual relationship between Abby and Carol? Carol says to Harge at one point in the movie, the thing with Abby was over before the thing with us was or something oh, along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. Like so to reference that Harge already knew about Abby. Right. Yeah. I th- but I thought that was a good change. I liked that. And Sarah Paulson plays Abby, which is also kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I love the Abby character much more in the movie because you're right Mm -hmm. in the book she seemed vindictive in a lot of ways and like she wasn't over. It was it was not as well done as in the movie. Yeah, and another thing in the movie they added a lot more Rindy, a lot more of the daughter, which I appreciated and I thought that was good because it showed Carol trying to be a good mother to her daughter and like loving her daughter. In the book, Carol tells us that she loves her daughter, but we don't ever see it. And so well, she talks to her on the phone a lot. Well, yeah, yeah but, but I mean, and, and again, it's Teresa's point of view. I get it. But I yeah. liked that they put they put more Rindy in the movie. I liked that a lot. But then again, in both the book and the movie at the end, Carol's like, OK, I'm just not going to see my daughter anymore. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get well, she... I didn't get quite what you got, which is I, you felt like the Carol character thought she was depraved and didn't want to pass that on to the daughter. No, 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 I, not that she thought she was depraved, that the society was going to well, see her as depraved. Well, that she accepted and, that. Yeah, and that she was, she didn't want that to affect her daughter. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe But there was a little be- bit of, in the book with Carol, she did have a little of, I mean, she, everybody did, but a little self-hatred, a little self. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So there's, okay, there's the, the, the checks, the, the checks, the letter, and the maid. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a big difference because in in the book, what we have is there's definitely not just a an age difference between Carol and Therese and a power thing and a sophisticated thing. There's a money thing and it's oh, not yeah. subtle. It is a major component of their like and it goes to the power imbalance a little bit. So Carol has a lot of money. It's hard as money, but Carol has access to a lot of money. And Teresa's not, right? Okay. So at one point, I don't even remember how it gets started, but like, you know, Teresa's a little bit struggling. Her job's going to end and she's going to have to get another job and yada, yada. And Carol is like, here, I'll give you some money. Here, I'll give you some money. And Teresa doesn't want to take the money. So at one point, Carol writes her a big ass check and Teresa like leaves it in the bedroom. Carol, like the, the guest room. At Carol's house, she like slips it into the the dresser, like underneath a cloth on the nightstand or whatever, because she doesn't want to be bought. I feel like she doesn't want that to be this relationship. You know, um, I think she wants a more familiar, whether it's a maternal or, 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 you know, even at that point, realizing her feelings of sexual romantic, but she doesn't want it to be tawdry. And I think part of that also has to do with her relationship with Richard, who also had money, had a rich family, and was like, gonna take her this place and do this with her. And he didn't care about money. He didn't really have a good job. He was like, slipless, bouncing all around, right? So like, she didn't want that same kind of relationship with Carol that she had with Richard, right? Okay, so she leaves the check there. And then also she writes Carol this romantic letter telling her how she feels and it's steamy and it's all of this stuff. And maybe she'll give it to Carol, but probably not. Like we were talking about before writing out your thoughts and feelings. And then freaking Therese, because she's a little bit of a young, immature dumbass leaves it in a book, just sitting there. The letter in a book. Yeah. The letter. And so then the maid finds it. And which I didn't buy for a second that the maid found, how would the maid find it? I never understood that in the book. Okay. Do you think it was Abby? Well, how would Abby find it either? I mean, she because put it in. Some, they named the book in the in in the book, 
Um, and it's some, <laughs> you know, random generic book, not something. And it's if there's a book, there's usually lots of books. So I'm thinking, how did somebody randomly go through and no, find? No, no, it was the book she was reading. I feel like she left it on the nightstand, and she was using the letter as like a bookmark or whatever. Oh, I, I feel like it was. It was... In, I thought it was on the shelf, and she hid it. No, she, she keeps I saying don't... she hid it because she tells. She hid the check. No, the check was under the the thing on the, the table, cloth. the cloth on the table. Yeah. That I can see somebody finding that because yeah. she lift to clean to dust whatever. Uh -huh, but she uh -huh. she said she hid this in a book on, and I thought it was on the shelf. And because right. they both said at that point, oh, well, it'll it'll never be found because it wasn't right on the nightstand. So anyway, that pissed me off because I'm like, this doesn't yeah, it was sense. it was a weird moment. And and but it, it it was like it added a little bit of tension because then when they're when they're on their road trip, this is part of why this is a big change. They're on their road trip and then they find out that there's an investigator and that Harge is suing for like full custody and like all of these things. And part of that is like stuff might have been found in the room. And then Teresa's all worried. Oh, my God, I left this letter. I left the check, but I left this letter. What if they find that? What if that is like the reason why Carol loses custody with her daughter is because right. I was a dumbass and left this letter. OK, in the movie, Carol already knows that Harge is like coming after her for immoral or immoral, you know, attitudes or whatever. And she still decides to go on a road trip with the girl she wants to right, bang. And I right. was like, girl, please. <laughs> yeah, because in the movie and I, I think this was before the road trip, which I, I was a little I was a little put aback by this, but also I understood it because of the times Carol and Harge have this discussion, I think, in the doorway of the house about mm -hmm. her going away on this road trip and mentioning the thing with Abby in the past. So it's clear to Harge that Carol is at least bisexual and is mm -hmm. having, has had a sexual tryst with a woman and now is going on a road trip with a young woman. I imagine that being twisted around in the fifties and the man, and if you ever saw a Todd Haynes film, uh, Todd Haynes is the director of this movie. If you ever seen his film, Far From Heaven, mm -hmm. uh, go watch it. Yeah, that's the one where Dennis Quaid plays the gay kid. Yeah, he's the he's the husband, and ama amazing, amazing film. I highly, highly recommend it. Oh, um, Julianna Moore. Julianna Moore yeah. plays the wife. Dennis Quaid, right, plays the husband. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. And he's it's, gay in the movie, so it's a reverse situation where she finds mm -hmm. out that he's gay. And she's, you know, tells him to go see a psychiatrist and all this. She's a little accepting of it because she doesn't want the marriage to break up because that was the worst thing that could happen to you in the 50s, divorce. Right. But, I, you know, he has this, Harge has this relationship, this conversation with Carol about, you know, are you, you going to go away with this woman? Because he's thinking in his head, you're going to go away and screw this woman on this trip. So, and said, yeah, I, I don't know if she knew he was going to do a private investigator, but she knew he knew. Well, he was already talking about custody in the movie before the yeah, trip. Yeah. And true. and so it just seems like poor planning on your part, Carol. And I understand, like, at first they were in separate rooms, right? Okay. But, I mean, come on. And then it was like, oh, there's a honeymoon suite. You know, it's not that much more expensive, blah, blah, blah. And it was freaking Therese who's like, well, then maybe we should get that, you know, right. because it's affordable. And, I was like, and oh part my of God. that, again, part of that was in those days, women could, they could dance together, they could hold hands mm -hmm. together, they could do all these things and not necessarily be suspected because women were allowed to do that. Right. I, this is probably something you were going to bring up, uh, but maybe right now is when we talk about it, the difference in the detective in the book and in the movie. Oh. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, Which okay, again, like? in the book, Therese is the one who notices. She's like, this guy keeps showing up. Like, I am recognizing him, and I think we're being followed. 
and then they st- they they're having their their wonderful sexcapades and they're you know they they love each other and all of this stuff and then they find out that they're being followed and Therese like puts it together right and Am record, I remembering yeah that? and recorded yeah. not just being and, then, and right and then being recorded in in the movie this guy kind of is like hits on her a little bit while she's out by this ice machine and then she sees him again he's all friendly and like whatever and then it turns out that um they get the they get a uh, telegram that says they're being followed and stuff is going on from, I, you know, from Abby and Carol figures out, oh, he must be next door. She busts open the door and there's this guy and he's clearly was bugging their room and listening to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I liked the confrontation on the side of the road better than the confrontation with the in. Yeah. With the gun better in the, in the book. Because uh, Carol's like, this guy's fucking following me. I'm going to pull over and talk to him straight up, which I thought was just very ballsy, much more ballsy than opening a hotel room. Yeah. and I Because they were I, out I in the first... middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. it was scary. This and, guy could have done who knows what. Right. Yeah. And, but my thought was she's going to kill him. And now it's going to turn into a murder mystery. I'm like, is that where this yeah. book's going to go? Um, <laughs> I kind of liked the movie better. I liked the, okay. the guy who's, who ended up in the dining room with them, just having a conversation with them. And obviously getting trying to get information about where they were going next um i like that better than the book but i like them both yeah one thing i didn't get um and i think this was in the movie too but not to the degree it was in the book they were getting mail and telegrams everywhere they went and they were just on the road not knowing where they were gonna go how does that happen okay so this is something that has i've seen in literature before i i did was not alive in the 50s but i feel like there was a thing of yeah, the she general... points it out do you see how she just pointed <laughs> it again i wasn't alive in the 50s either people just some just saying the general delivery um because you'd have like the main post office and my understanding is yeah, you could there, just address there was, things yes, there was general delivery and i remember that it was in my day general delivery okay. was a thing you could just go to a post office and ask for general delivery but generally that was the post office in your town right like if they didn't also, know your address they would just send it to general delivery there's so many more there's so many fewer people in these towns that even you know that yeah, they could just yeah. go there and and get it so i think that that and it was like it was kind of the way it was done so it was more normal you know because yeah everybody you know yeah no for sure but anyway I, that's part of how abby helped her find out yeah what the detective the was telegram. doing in the book yeah yeah which made again more sense in the movie because abby was like her friend not her you know ex who was jilted lover yeah yeah exactly and i like the fact so that was another big change too because in the movie carol freaking leaves in the middle of the night and Therese wakes up and Abby's there and Abby's like, she flew home and I'm here to drive back because you don't know how to drive and somebody needs to drive the car. In the book, Carol's like, I'm going to leave. I'm telling you this. You right. stay here in this podunk town. I'll come back for you. And then she doesn't. And so Therese kind of like lives in this little town for a while and is like figuring out herself and like kind of making friends with the people in the town. And I feel like she was trying to decide what kind of life she could have just stayed there. Right. You know, but she chose to go back to New York and like she had a lot more autonomy at that point in the book than she did in the movie. In the movie, she was at that point, she was so much more pacifist. She was just like, OK, I guess I'll sit in the car and now I'll sit in the car. Whereas in the book, Carol taught her how to drive. So right, right. Reese was able to drive the car back. We didn't need Abby to drive her. So, yeah, but I think that's yeah. an interesting point. The difference in. um perceptions between and actions between Carol and Therese in the book. 
Kara, like you said, just took off in the movie. In the movie. And Therese yeah. at the time was confused by all this, even though she lived in the same time period, the same societal restrictions, <laughs> the same this. So it's like an older and a younger person in that time. The younger person being Therese doesn't understand why Carol would do A, B, C, D. And Carol being older, is good. and she, this is mentioned in the book and I th- in the movie, Carol is trying to teach her about this is the way things work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be affectionate in public in, the, in that certain way and stuff right. like that. Yeah, Carol's a lot more aware of their surroundings because she had a relationship with Abby and she she calls herself a woman like that, you yeah, know, and yeah. so she knows her identity. Therese is more like, I fell in love with her, but I feel like Therese is one of those people who wouldn't want to label herself. She wouldn't say, I'm a lesbian. She would say, I just fell in love with Carol. Whereas I feel like Carol, if, if it is, that was the vernacular of the time, would definitely say, yes, I am a lesbian. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's Therese different. felt like in the movie to me, like, a 2020 Therese rather than a 1954 Therese. She didn't seem to have any problem. Like she said, it's in the movie, I believe, where she turns to her boyfriend and says, have you ever been in love with a man? I mean, I can't imagine a young woman doing that in 1954. I just can't. She she did it in the book too. And she, she asked him and he was like, no. In the book, he thinks about it for a minute. And then he says, no. In the movie, he's like, no, no. Yeah, which is normal. Would would have been in the normal reaction. I don't think any, any guy again, in that time would think wish about fulfillment. it. Again, Patricia Hines, wouldn't it be nice if you could yeah. ask your boyfriend, you could ask your right. study about this, and he wouldn't freak out or assume the worst no about way. it? No way. No way would that have happened. Dude. So that's yes. that's true. Now now that I bring that up, I totally agree with your wish fulfillment uh, theory, which which I get. But you know, when you're yeah. reading a book, you and it's supposed to be a realistic book, you want realism. Yeah. Yeah. And I did find his whole like, you'll come back to me, you'll come back to me. And then like the next letter was like, you raging bitch, I hate yeah, you. I, <laughs> I totally was like, bought that. Oh, <laughs> totally buy that. I'm sorry. That's yeah. like the, getting those instant messages like from strangers. It's like, right. you're pretty, you're yeah. pretty. Fine, bitch, yeah. die in a fire. And yeah. it's like, dude, it's been five minutes. Also, yeah, I'm nailed it. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nailed that part. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and another change in, in response to that was in. <laughs> In the book, she had slept with Richard. Teresa had had sex with Richard and was like, it was a thing that happened. (laughs) In the movie, she was like, no, we haven't slept together yet. Like, that's why he's, you know, he's still interested in whatever, blah, blah, blah. But we haven't had sex. So her first sexual encounter was with Carol. I thought that was an interesting change. And I, again, I think that's more 2023, Therese, in the movie, because she says, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. Where in back in the day, you didn't say no to the guy. You slept with him. Right, right. And you hope that he'd still marry you. Right, right. One big change that I, I, I want to know how you felt about this. In the book, she's a set designer, okay? Right. In the movie, she's a photographer. Right. I, I have my theories about why this change happened, but I'm curious to did, did you even like register that? Because idea? a set designer is such a dikey profession. Is that why? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Well, well, Although, sure. It is. <laughs> that might work. I'm just saying. Okay. You Tell know, me what I, you I thought about really, that change. I, I don't really know if I have a theory about the change. You? Yeah. Okay. It bumped for me. And I was like, I was actually disappointed. This is a thing I wish they had left because. Okay, here's and maybe it's because in today's day and age with the cameras that we have, everybody thinks of themselves as a photographer, right? right? Okay, so the fact that she was a photographer, I was like, why did they make this change? What do we think about photographers? They're artistic, right? People, and they're often unappreciated, and they have a 
They have a unique way of looking at the world and they're voyeurs and they're from the outside and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, so that's what they're doing with Therese in the movie. So you're saying they did that in the movie because she was more progressive than... No, I'm saying that I think that they they thought we were stupid and they needed to hammer home. They needed to use in our vernacular, oh, she's a photographer. She's an outsider who likes looking in and blah, blah, blah. Whereas in the book, she's a set designer, which is very niche, let me say. Okay, it is super niche and it's creative in a very different way. A photographer looks at what already exists and potentially captures it to take that idea, that impression away so that other people can experience that moment of time, right? right That's the right. whole point of photography. A set designer builds a world for somebody else from to nothing. live in from nothing, from their own brain. And this is really interesting. She had elaborate, interesting sets, and then she was putting it up a play, and they were like, no, we want basic, boring sets. And they didn't let her express herself artistically because she saw more, and she was creating a world like maybe a world that was part of artifice but Mm -hmm. also a temporary world that wasn't meant to live beyond that except in her models i just found that idea really fascinating and interesting and i found it more symbolically interesting for therese um also she's in the theater scene but she's not a thespian she's not an actress she's like behind the scenes i thought it worked really well well, the it's interesting. It just seemed like, like it just seemed. It's a trope. Like an easy way to do it, and I was like, "Well, yeah, that's a it's it's a trope. It's used in movies over and over and over." Again. Yeah, so that was a little disappointing. I wish they'd kind of kept the set because I, mean, I just thought that was you, more interesting. It is, and what you say about the set when she presents the set design in the book, and it's more complicated than what they want. That's another simile to her being a queer person, not the same everyday ordinary person. You know, I've run mm-hmm. into that many, many times. We just want this we just want a period we don't want an exclamation point you know that kind of right yeah right and i thought it was it was more obvious in the book because in the in the movie they're like oh look at these pictures and they're like oh they're so good i'm like dude they're just pictures like i don't know they i I thought the same thing i that the pictures in the movie i'm like this is just not great photography i mean this is very amateurish yeah i thought the same exact thing She's taking a picture of Carol by a Christmas tree. And I was like, okay, she's going to be lucky and catch Carol in like a beautiful moment. And I'm like, no, it's like the back ass of a man bending over to pick up a tree and Carol in a yeah. coat, like that looking bothered, cold. That I one was bothered like, me a what? lot, that picture, because they showed that picture a few times. And I'm like, this is just a stupid picture that anybody could take. And she yeah. seems to be really interested in cameras and knows about them. You'd think she'd have, you know. There was. There was one picture that they kind of like went real fast. It was a, it was like kind of looking down at Carol and she was like half in shadow, half in light. I was like, that's a good that's picture. picture. Can we focus more on that one? Because like, obviously that one was posed. There was lighting involved and like Carol sat for that. Like there was a moment there. We don't get to see it. We get to see this random <clears throat> candid, whatever. I mean, I, I, I agree that photography, <clears throat> characters doing photography can be a trope, but I, I, they probably chose it because, look, she's not looking at the world as it is. She's looking at it as she wants it to be. And she wants it to be different than what she deals with every day. And on the other hand, that character was also more progressive than Carol in many, yeah. many ways. And she didn't that care about what people thought. I mean, obviously, because yeah. she went off on her boyfriend. So there were yeah. I, I found conflicts just like you did in the Therese character. Like she was this one minute and she was this another. And I'm like, you know. She- 
she, pick a character. Yeah. She liked kissing. She didn't mind kissing Danny, but then like nothing happened with that. But then Danny got her the job. I like the fact that she got the job. She was a little bit more established, you know, and like starting a career and et cetera. And she, you know, changed her clothes and like she was definitely growing up. And that's all good. I guess it's easier to do with photography than the other stuff. But one of the things I really didn't like her, which you mentioned, is when she turned down the money. I'm like, take the friggin' money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, and Carol says over and over in the book and in the movie, it means nothing to me. And it doesn't. She's wealthy. Yeah. She's giving you $200. Take the money. Yeah, especially at that time, $200. So she is... says, I'm not going to take the money, but I am going to take six weeks off of my life to go travel around the country with you and not go look right. for a job and take care of myself. You're still going to have to eat. And, I, and that mm -hmm. I was and just... pay your rent at the apartment you're not even right. living in, right? Yes. Take the friggin' money. I, I'm I'm one of those people that I'm like, when I've loaned money to people, I every time I loan money to people, I loan it with the expectation that I'm not getting it back because it's just money. Yeah. And if I'm loaning right. it, I can afford it. So if you don't, if you need it and I have it, I'll give it to you. I don't care about getting it back. If I get it back, I get it back. Um, but I've had so many dealings with friends earlier in life when I would need money and, you know, they wouldn't loan me money. And I knew they had it because I don't want to mix money with friendship. I'm like, give me a friggin' break. It's just mm -hmm. money. You value money over friendship. But that's just me. A lot of people feel the other way. No, I think I get it. I And also, like, especially with Therese, being so young and kind of clueless about how the world works, right? And it just, it felt like not taking the money. If there had been more stuff in the, uh, there was a lot in the book about her upbringing and her being an orphan and, and being in this house. But I feel like it could have been strengthened that she didn't like to take charity. Like she had her pride and right. that's why she didn't take, but that wasn't actually communicated. I had to bring that into the book of why yeah. she wasn't taking the money was because maybe it was a prideful thing, or maybe it was because she didn't want it to emulate the Richard, you know, dynamic or whatever, but that's me reading into it. Right. It wasn't there. It was just like, Therese was like, no, thanks. And then like, the movie, like the, the novel continued. And I was like, but and then why? She, in the book, why? she takes the car. I'm like, so, I mean, I know she's just borrowing it, but you know, yeah. I, I, I just didn't get it because I know what it's like to be young and to be young and have no money, especially in those days. $200 in those days was probably like $1,000 today. And she'll let Carol pay for everything. She just right. doesn't want to get paid. Right. Like, I was like, but, 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 and then she spends, they, they left this out in the movie too. She buys Carol a handbag that is uh -huh. insanely expensive and also like i got the vibe like not carol's style like because uh -huh. carol was like wow this is really expensive and you should not have bought this and then carol never uses it and then tells her <laughs> she later she can turn it in to get the money back for it you know yes yeah. oh my goodness oh so awkward yeah, oh, that Therese. was stupid too that was so awkward so I think oh, we agree yeah. that Carol is a base. I don't really have a lot of problems with Carol's character, but there were some flaws in Teresa's character. Definitely. In, and I, and I, movie. The, one of the best changes they made in the movie was giving us more Carol. Right. Because if this movie had just been Therese, I, it would have not worked no, as well. No. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I did find it interesting that they had the framing device of the flashback because we start at the with them awkwardly at a table and then they go their separate ways. And then Therese has this whole flashback through smudgy windows before she decides, <laughs> yes, I'm going to go after her and we catch up to the very beginning slash end of the movie and then they're together. But I was like, why? Like, why did we need that that whole smudgy window flashback thing? I I don't 
I don't think I sense an essay coming from you called Smudgy Windows or a or a song (laughs) that Matt writes that you here's the title, Matt. It's gonna be called Smudgy Windows. Smudgy Windows. Yeah. Looking through the smudgy windows of my life. How much I would have wanted to be your wife. (laughs) Just saying. I don't think we needed the framing device. It would would have worked just as fine to be like a straight up narrative linear thing. So, okay. Like, you have to always wonder, why do they do this in movies? And I don't know. I don't know why they did that. I don't and, know and why. And if you ever watch movies that are recut later by the director or, you know, mm-hmm. cut down or whatever, you can see there's a million choices they can make. It's it's not the same. I mean, there's a million choices a writer can make, too. You know, it's. I always wonder the same thing. Why did they choose this? Why did they start it? I, I don't really, like, I hate voiceover. I hate voiceover. Every time they do it, I'm like, why are you doing this? And I know why they're doing it. They're doing it so they don't have to show you. They can just tell you, which don't tell me, show me. Yeah. So is the book worth your time and is the movie worth your time? The movie highly, I highly recommend the movie. And I, I, you know, the acting by Rooney Mara and, and Kate Blanchett is wonderful. And uh, who's the, who's the guy in it? Uh, Who's the husband? Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Chandler. He's good. Coach Taylor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, and and mostly I recommend it because of Todd Haynes, the cinematography and the framing of everything and Mm -hmm. the the way the scenes play out. It's just beautiful. Again, you ever get the chance to go see Far From Heaven by Todd Haynes, I highly recommend it. The book, I like the book. I I recommend it. I don't know that I'm not going to read it again. I've seen the movie Mm -hmm. twice. Even before you asked me to do the the podcast, I had seen the movie twice because I just think it's so beautiful. But I think it's important, as you said, and 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 I hope it doesn't hold younger people back from reading these gay books from times that were much more restricted than where we are, 40s, 50s, 60s. Read these books so you can see what it was like. So I will say I agree with you. I think the movie is beautifully shot. Um, they used specific cameras and camera angles and filters to make it look like the type of photographs that were taken in the 50s. So it has a very, very specific feel and tone to the movie. It is stylized, but not overly so. I Again, I'm with you. Beautifully shot. The acting is great. It has a good ending. You know, all of that stuff. The characterization, again, of Therese, but I mean, you're working with the source material, so you're doing what you can. They made some excellent changes. I think the changes they made were were spot on. They improved the idea. They improved the tone. They improved the characters. All these changes were good changes. I think that the photography change was a little bit, you know, cut in corners, but I understand why they did it. So that's fine. Okay. The book, I think is is well written and important definitely like part of the canon of lgbt especially lesbian literature for sure for sure but i can understand why it might be hard to read if you are a modern day reader who didn't grow up reading stuff from the 50s so i think that these stories are important but in order to make them accessible sometimes we need to up update the uh, medium which i think they did a great job in the movie so I'm not going to say the movie is better than the book, but I think that the movie conveys the story in a more approachable for today's audiences way than the book does. And since this is an important story about an important time period, I think that that is good. And I'm glad sometimes they'd make an adaptation and you're like, was this just a money grab? Were we just bored? Was the IP just affordable? Like, what's the point? In this case, I think that the movie, especially coming in 2015, right before the Trump era, is is a good moment and time to say remember how far we've come if we're not careful things could go back that way it's a lesson i don't think 
unfortunately a lot of people you know took and held but whatever um as for the book definitely it's worth reading if you like that kind of literature if you can like slog through it i it, it's it's well written but it is not the kind of book that it's going to be like a fun beach read it's uh it, it is slow it is slow it is slow so it's, it's my very, recommendation it's a slow at the beginning and it picks up but... it does pick up once they get on the road my recommendation is to see the movie and if that piques your interest and you run a, like a deeper dive to read the book yeah, and so. I would hope that, I don't know if this is a thing, but I guess it, it probably is, that young gay men go, oh, it's a, about two lesbians, I'm not interested. Be interested. Be interested mm -hmm. in the movie, uh, not especially the movie and the book as well. You've got to understand the stories of how women were treated, not just because they were lesbians, but because they were women in general. Uh, so please participate and read this and watch this movie. For sure. And I will say that the sex scene is a little steamy. We get some nudity, some brief. Well, we get boob. We get boob nudity. In the movie, else, but, but they just brush over in the book. Oh, yeah. They hardly even. They hardly even. But, you know, it's there. It was there at, in in the way it could be there in the 50s. Exactly. Like we, the the kiss. Know. Yeah. Yeah. The yes. And and I mean, it is she's talking about like her, her world splitting apart and like, you know, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's well done. It's, it's not graphic. And then she touched me here and then I touched her there. It's much more emotional how it felt for Therese to be having lesbian sex. Yeah. In the book, I was like, when are you going to do it already? You guys, you've been yeah. in how many hotel rooms and you haven't slept together yet. Come on. Seriously. Seriously. Gay men would have done it in the car on the way to the hotel. Come on. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, well, that was fun. And that was our episode on The Price of Salt slash Carol, a wonderful, like I said, canonically important book and movie. And yeah. So go do it, people. Yeah, so go do it in hotel rooms, but hopefully don't get bugged. Dude, the bugging system. I'm sorry, I should have said this earlier, but like freaking drilling holes into hotel room I walls know. to stick. I was like, dang <laughs> and she says and in the book she's like i thought i heard somebody hammering i'm like he said he came through the wall <laughs> oh my god i know i was like wow interesting wow. how people had to surreptitiously spy on each other back then now you just have to go to somebody's facebook page i mean anyways thank you so much chris this was fun as always and uh yeah thank you so much for being here happy pride again okay we'll see you. happy pride see you next time Tina Turner has a song called Steamy Windows, and now I'm singing it in my head with smudgy windows. <laughs> smudgy windows.